Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this, this is Sue Jackson and I'm on Skype. There is a echo at the moment, but Craig will sort that one out, I know. Um, my topic today is live your dash. I'm on my own. Everyone is busy with Pesach and Easter and, and so I decided I would do this on my own. Thank you so much, Bussy, DJ, Craig, Tabo, for keeping us on air. And of course, Kathy, for all that she is doing in the background to keep her beloved station running. Um, I would just like to say that I've chosen this topic, Live Your Dash, because of that beautiful poem by Linda Ellis called Live Your Dash. And it goes like this. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. So be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in your lives like you've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the times they say, of the things they say about how you lived your dash? So I feel that this was a particularly poignant and and relevant poem to actually think about today. How are we living your dash? You know, it is not how anyone else is reading, living their dash. It is how we are. Who are we? Who are we becoming? And this week, I heard Anderson Cooper on CNN talking with a psychiatrist read the effects of the coronavirus. And he mentioned that his favorite book is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And he said how often he has read it in his life. And again, how often he is reading it now in this time of the world being in crisis. He said the book gives him hope and a sense of strength. Because, as he said, we all come from descendants of people who have faced challenges. And 
uh, I, I was thinking about something that Nietzsche said um, he, when in his Echo Homer of how uh, how one becomes what he is, and he he says we have to strive towards some heroic goal and find the depths, explore the depths within us. And he goes on to say in a historical sense, in his in a historical sense, it's self knowledge. He said it's not nearly sufficient for us to know ourselves. We need history for past flows on within us in a hundred waves. And in his essay on the use and abuse of history for life, he talks about a people who have lost faith in its ancient history and how these people search on and on arbitrarily with no conscious connection to the past. And this, he says, is compared to a person who has sought its roots, grown out of the past and continues to grow. It seeks the strengths and continues to work on the weaknesses. He has lost and destroyed his instinct if he's forgotten his past. And he can no longer trust the divine animal and let go the reins when his way leads through deserts. So right now, we ourselves are in chaos. The world is in chaos. And I think it's very good to look at people in our past who have been role models to us. I've had many role models in my life. And I'm sure each and every one of you can think of people in your lives that have changed something for you, that have brought something into your life. That is worth holding on to. And that is how we actually recognize what strengths we want in ourselves. It's recognizing all that unites us rather than all that divides us. And I, I, I really like that, that the thought that uh, Anderson Cooper said that. And the woman he was talking to was a psychiatrist, and I didn't get her name. But she said that she also remembered, uh, she remembers very much um, loving the book and she was going to be taking it out again, Man's Search for, Re- for Meaning, and reading it again. And I actually Googled it and I see that it is in such demand at the moment, everyone's obviously searching for some sort of meaning. Um, what I think what we need to realize is that all, all our sense of normality has changed. Rabbi Alon Joseph and I discussed this last week. And we need to remember that we do have this incredible resilience and adaptability called the human spirit. And that it is in each and every one of us. And again, this virus is certainly teaching us that there are no boundaries between races, between genders, color, country, and it, it is showing us that we are all actually very vulnerable to it. And we need to see who, what is this time asking of us? Do you know that, um, um, what, um, President Roosevelt, who was three times president of the United States, was a victim of polio and he was often in extreme pain and disillusionment. And despair, absolute despair. But he said the only thing to fear is fear itself. He, 
And I must admit, if I think about my own life, how many times have I been afraid, but I have gone on? I think you can each ask yourselves that as well. How many times have you felt despair and yet you have got up? You've walked forward into another day. We need to ask ourselves, are we going to be paralyzed by fear and become victims of fate? Very definitely not. Not with our human spirit, which is our core. It's our strength. We have the human ability to transcend, to rise above our experiences and to find the meaning in them. Frankl said when we can no longer change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So I must admit, whether we like it or not, we are each accountable for the person that we are to become. We're going to advert. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. I really would would encourage you to use this service. It's such a good service. And believe you me, that the, the counsellors that I know are fantastic. Now, I'm going to actually ask um, Craig to play a YouTube for me. And it's the one that I, I wanted last uh, week. And I said it wasn't downloaded, but... By mistake, I actually said it was um, Craig and Wussy who hadn't downloaded it. Meanwhile, it was me. I had it in my drafts and I hadn't sent it through. This one is of Christopher Reeve and, and about Will, Robin Williams. Tonight we turn to a moment, a piece of video we discovered today in a pact between a very young Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve, dear friends from acting school. ABC's Barbara Walters tonight with that moment in the hospital room. It was 1973. Two young men, part of 2,000 students who were auditioning for just 20 spots at the prestigious Juilliard School of Drama. And they both made it in. Reeve and Williams became roommates and formed a friendship that would last for decades, even after death. I just want to thank uh, also a very, very special person tonight. Chris Reeve, I miss you. And I also say, may flights of angels sing you to thy rest, sweet prince. Good night. Legend has it, the two of them made a pact to students that whoever made it first would always support the other one. In 1995, Reeve injured his spine in a horse riding accident and was paralyzed from the neck down. When I interviewed him four months later, he said the greatest gift Williams ever gave him was the gift of laughter. You had a very good friend named Robin Williams. Yes, yes. And I understand that he came here to see you? I was hanging upside down, semi-conscious, you know, not eating, not drinking. And I turned to my side, and there is Robin Williams dressed as a doctor, wearing one of those funny blue scrub hats. And for the first time since I crashed, I laughed, as I always do, as we all always do with Robin. And I felt such joy seeing him, and he'd come all that way. And, you know, his seeing him and laughing and enjoying each other like the old days was one of the first indicators to me that life could be good again. So as you can see, David, Robin Williams was the first person to make Christopher Reeve laugh and want to live. What a powerful moment and a powerful promise they kept to one another and the Reeve family speaking today. Yes, they did. Let me read the statement. They said the world knew Robin as a comedic titan 
but to our family, he was simply one of Dad's dearest friends. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm, I'm back on Skype. Our topic is, my topic is Live Your Dash. And I just wanted to say that that uh, particular YouTube really moved me because it's saying so much. It says a lot about humor, but it also says how those two very special men who fought so many incredible challenges in their own lives, how they still reached out to one another. And as uh, Christopher Reeve said and Christopher Reeve's family said, um, Robin Williams was one of, of, was their dad's best, one of his dearest friends. And that's what we're all being expected to be to our family, to our friends, to be support system, to help each other through this virus time. Now, going back to humor, because he spoke about humor and that that's when he knew that he was going to live again. Well, I just want to tell you something that I am truly not enamored anymore with being called an elderly. So I have decided that there's uh, there's something that I need to work out here, and I'm because I am tired of being labelled the elderly. There is a Hindu tradition, and I'm going to tell you about it in a second. But I've decided to change this elderly to rather the elders. Because the elders means a guru, guiding light, matriarch, patriarch, a leader, chronically advanced, certainly, but all the above. And this Hindu tradition is quite amazing. It's it's a Hindu tradition of touching the feet. And um, it's, uh, it's apparently, it's called Padas Parshan, uh, if that's the right uh pronunciation it probably isn't but it's the touching the feet of elders it's an age-old indian tradition and it's considered to be a mark of respect this gesture can be seen in almost all hindu families both in india and abroad and it actually is there to it's a, a gesture that indicates respecting the age the experience and the achievements and wisdom of the person whose feet are being touched the older person then in turn blesses the person touching their feet. So here you are. You have a, a, an entire cycle and a circle of love between the elders and the person touching their feet. And I thought, how fantastic. Okay, so there's social distancing at the moment. So no one's going to be allowed to touch our feet. But I, I love the fact of respecting the age and experiencing and expecting, uh, uh, rather uh, respecting the wisdom that comes with age. So now we're in our second week of our lockdown in South Africa. And this is, it's not an easy time and we are all being asked to support one another. And there is a particular power that we feel when we do support one another. Do you know, a long, long time ago, it was a long time ago, being an elder, when I was a young nursing sister of about 20, there was a dreadful fire on the train line between Soweto and the Johannesburg station and many of the carriages had caught fire. Um, none of the, the staff um, 
at the Black Hospital at the time, his Hillbrow Hospital, could get through to, to come on duty. I was coming off duty when a call came through for everyone who was going off duty or was already off duty to please report to the Hillbrow Hospital immediately. Just remembering that this was apartheid South Africa, it was a very unusual request. However, I can still remember the wonderful feeling of shared purpose and meaning that I felt when so many of us rushed over to the hospital. And as we arrived, there was so many severely burnt people were being brought in and uh, in overcrowded ambulances, and they just kept arriving, and um, and we were needed immediately. They were severely burnt. We worked for many, many hours until eventually this, their staff could get through, which was actually by night time. However, apart from the absolute exhaustion, when we were all going home, back to our nurse's home, the uh, uh, the overwhelming feeling was one of gratitude, even though we were all exhausted. It was to be the gratitude that we were able to reach out to help, to connect to another person. And, you know, to connect to another person when they are at their most vulnerable, their most frightened or alone, is, I believe, to share a soul connection. And And I think this is what right now we are being asked to do because there is this feeling of social distancing but it is not social disconnect there's a very big difference and we need to remain connected to the people who most need us and I, and I really think that this is what's being asked of us um, the power of the human of the human spirit is to become an active partner in our lives to find the courage to live within our challenges, to reach out and to help other people. Right now, destiny has brought us to this point and, and we can't, the past can't be relived or changed, but certainly our attitude towards now is our choice. And, and I think what we're asked, we're needing to ask is, I've said this before, what is this time asking of me? What is this time saying to me? What strength do I need to meet this challenge? And that's very big. What strength do I need? I think many people are actually planning on this coming to an end in 21 days. Now, Viktor Frankl said in the camps, there was a man who came to him and said, uh, we're going to be freed on, on such and such a day and gave him the exact date. He had had a dream and um, from a loved one, and this was what he, he was told. And he totally believed in this. Well, the date came and went, and he wasn't freed. And what happened? He lost all meaning for life, and he actually died. So he had staked his his entire reason for living to keep alive because he thought he was going to be free on a certain date. Now, we can't do that. What we, we need to ask, what is this present situation? What is it giving me? What, what am I having to face? What, what is required of me now? What are the strengths in me that enable me to move forward? 
how do we find meaning in our life? We need to ask ourselves, who would I like to be? It's back to that dash. You know the dash? We're going back to Advert. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Craig is now going to be putting on a, a YouTube by Pierce Brosnan, and I know it sounds a bit odd to have him. He was, uh, of course, the Bond, James Bond, 007. But I would like you to actually hear his challenges and what he has to say, the message he gives. Thank you, Craig. I grew up in Ireland. My father, Tom Brosnan, well, he left when I was an infant. It was not a good time to be a single mother. But my mother was courageous in her determination to make a better life for us both. And thus, she left the shores of Ireland to become a nurse in England. Such a decision came a number of years of separation and heartache. At the age of four, I went to live with my grandparents. After they passed on, I ended up living with a friend of the family. Eileen Riley was her name. Eileen was a saint of a woman to me. She was a classic Irish woman with an apron wrapped around her full figure that was always covered in baking powder. I lived upstairs in a room that I shared with two other lodgers. There was some sadness and longing. I remember how she wept. The day I left her, I was 11 years old. My life began again that day as I traveled alone on the plane to London with rosary beads in one hand and an empty aspirin bottle filled with holy water in the other. Once there, fresh off the plane with a thick Irish brogue. For some reason, they could not or would not say my name, Pierce. So I was known as Irish. Each and every day, trying to find my footing in this new landscape of prejudice and racism. Learning words I'd never known and never wanted to know. I learned to assimilate. It was... In some ways, my first acting job, to be someone else. And eventually, I found people I didn't need to act for. I found friends who accepted me, brogue and all. Friends who called me by my name, on my own. I had learned to survive. But through friendship, I learned to thrive. Those boys' acceptance, Eileen's generosity, my mother's sacrifice, that is what got me through my childhood. I can tell you this, wherever you're going, you won't get there alone. I certainly didn't. It's easy to feel overwhelmed or daunted by the challenges facing our world. In those moments when you feel outmatched, you need people you can turn to. You need people who can support you, who can swell spirits, who can pick you up and dust you off and set you right. And once you're ready to get back into the fight, you will need people to stand by your side Our world doesn't need a lone hero out to solve things solo. Our world doesn't need a hero who only chases adventure and drama. We need people who have a passion and a sense of a mission. My own environmental awareness and activism were born out of a love of nature, a love for the ocean, and the love of a great woman, namely my wife, Kiwi. My wife and I helped save the last pristine breeding ground of the California gray whales. That is our passion. That is our mission. Many in your position have sought the route of the flashy, the 
exciting or adventurous. They've taken the high-powered job or the well-regarded profession because they want the thrill that comes with first-class cabins, penthouse suites, and swanky clothes. Well, I have worn the tuxedo, so I can tell you this. Our world doesn't need you to chase the super spy lifestyle. It needs you to find a passion and a mission. Greatness doesn't come from destruction. It comes from the courage to create, to see the opportunity we have been given, to seize it and to build the future. You are the architects and the engineers of a new tomorrow. And like no species before us, you have the power to shape the future. So when you leave here today, I urge you to pursue something that is exacting to you as it is important to the world. Make something that matters. The world needs your will. It needs your imagination, your courage, your appetite for adventure. It needs your hands and your minds and your hearts. Our world doesn't need a hero with a license to kill. We need people with the courage to create. Have before you the most singular opportunity for greatness ever offered to any generation. So take it. Rise up. Save the world. I hope that this cadence will leave you both shaken and stirred, but we'll see about that. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and you have just listened to uh, Pierce Brosnan. And what I found amazing about him is that he came from really a difficult background. He was talking there to the, at Dublin University to a group of students who are graduating. And, you, you know, he, he, what he said was we don't, in this world, we don't need a lone hero, but we do need the courage to create. And as he said, that, uh, to seize the day, that carpe diem, to seize the day. And I think that is so important. What uh, Franco says, ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, but rather he must recognize that it is he who is asked. In a word, each man is questioned by life, and he can only answer to life by answering for his own life. To life, he can only respond by being responsible. And it is this which is the very essence of human existence, this responsibleness. And that's what he was talking about. Thank you, Nikki Sher. I've just got a meeting, a message from you saying you're listening in. Thanks for that. I'm so pleased you're listening in. Now, just going back to who we are. You know, we are almost like a, we're a dot on an open canvas. Being human means we're having a human experience. And as such, it is your destiny and your unique story. So I cannot tell you what your story is. And you cannot say what my story is. We paint our own backgrounds by the way we find the meaning. Sometimes we fall into what is called an existential vacuum, which is a feeling of inner emptiness, of fear, of doubting that life has any meaning or purpose and thinking that the future is empty. 
And now I think quite a few people are feeling that. It is a sense of grief. But there is that human cry of what point is my life? Why me? What is the point of my life? What is the point of my existence? You know that when we feel the loss and purpose, it is often necessary to remember that the body may be frail and ill even, but the psyche and the psyche may be disturbed. And at the moment, I think a lot of people are feeling great depression, anxiety, but the area of our freedom, which is our our spirit, this is our very core, and this always remains healthy. Healthy, It really does. And temporary, we may feel we have lost our spirit. You know, there are many events that are, are just too difficult and, and too frightening to actually contemplate. I know a lot of people are worrying about their work, their jobs. They're the people working for them. There's a, so much fear going on. There is actually, I would say, a collective anxiety around the world at the moment. And we're all tapping into that because it is there. And Nietzsche, Nietzsche also said, he who has a wire to live can bear with almost any how. And Frankl said, to bear a terrible fate with dignity and compassion for others is extraordinary. To master your own fate and use your experiences or your suffering to help others is for me the highest of all meanings. So we need to understand that throughout our lives, just as Anderson Cooper said, that we do come from descendants who have come before us, who have faced their challenges. Throughout our lives, we have accumulated strengths and values. Often we forget these, and but they are there now to tap into, to help ourselves to survive, especially when the going gets tough. And to, to actually remember that we are, it's okay if we are afraid. Plato said we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when adults are, the, are afraid of the light. So that is something that we need to remember. And um, it reminds me again of, of a story of my own. Um, we were driving, uh, we were going on, um, oh, sorry, I've just got a message from my grandson, uh, Joshua Jackson, we are li- listening in. That's great. I'm so pleased. Thank you, Josh, and hello to all of you. Miss you terribly. Um, you know, I was thinking about the raging waters of the, the Red Sea, and the Israelites were wailing and in despair and terrified as, as they saw that. And one man stepped forward and walked into that sea. It was Nashon, if that's the right pronunciation. He entered those waters and he kept walking. It was right up to his neck. He was from the tribe of Judah. He was brave. And even though he saw others hesitating, he went in. So the Rebbe, Rebbe Schneerson, actually says the lesson for all of us is that we must stay focused on our life's mission, disregarding all obstacles. Well, look at that obstacle of walking into that raging sea. 
you know, it reminds me of a time in my life. I was I was young, I was very young, and we were climbing Mount Source, which is the highest mountain in South Africa in the Drakensberg Range. And I was with my family, and we were with uh, another family of friends, and we came to a chain ladder. And anyone who knows me well knows that I have a terrible fear of heights. And people who've been in Plettenberg Bay with me and at the gorge going over the the rope ladder will know that I was never able to really go over that rope ladder unless I went on my knees. And then it was a huge achievement because of the terrible fear. Subsequently, I did find out that it was a problem in my middle ear that actually caused me to, to have this terrible uh, fear of, of of heights and, and movement. But anyway, we came to a chain ladder going up a very, very steep cliff face. And I just sat down and I refused to move. And my father tried to cajole me into getting up and moving on. And he tried to make me feel responsible for everyone else who were all waiting at the top. And how could I just sit there and not move? What about them? But to tell you the truth, I wasn't really interested in them at the time. All I was interested in, or or my greatest fear was that I had to move forward onto this chain ladder. Anyway, eventually the game ranger, Bill, put a, a rope around me, and he went before me, and my father went behind me. And step by step by step, we climbed up this chain ladder, up to the heights, and quite honestly, but when I got to the top, everyone clapped and cheered for me. What did I do? I fell to the floor and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed. It was an accumulation of extreme fear and at the same time, extreme accomplishment. It was a feeling that I actually will never forget. At the same time, I must admit that um, climbing up, to the top of Montessor's, we slept there. And in the morning, we stood and we were above the clouds. It was a moment I will never forget in my life. It was so beautiful. We watched the sun rise and we were above the clouds. The colors were beautiful. We were at the top of the the Tugela Falls where the Tugela River starts. And so it was a great, it was climbing that ladder was something I will never forget. And sometimes when I myself am struggling, whether it's with depression, whether it's with doubt, self-doubt, whatever it might be, I think of that ladder and I think of going up it one step at a time, certainly having someone in front of me supporting me, having someone behind me to catch me if I fell, that helped And that's what we are being required to do now, to be the person who stands beside someone, either holding them, we're not able to hold them because of social distancing, but we can hold through our words, through a phone call, through our care. And I think that is something we need to remember, that man is never free from circumstances. We are not free to change many, many things, but we are always free to change our attitude. And this defiant power of the human spirit is man's ability to rise above his circumstances, to say yes to life, despite 
our own feelings of whatever we might be feeling. If any of you are interested, there's an incredibly uh, interesting article called That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. Uh, Craig's telling me to go to ad break, but just let me just tell you that this is by Scott Berenato, The Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. We'll go back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. This year, many of us will be celebrating Pesach without the physical presence of our families and friends. It's very easy to focus on who is absent rather than looking at who is always with us. Join Rabbi Levi Apson, the rabbi of Linksfield Shul, uh, tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. as he helps us to reframe Pesach as us sitting around God's Seder table. Uh, we're going to listen to another YouTube now, which is also, I think, fantastic. A lot, it's doing the rounds on WhatsApp. A lot of you might have it. I don't know who the, the rabbi is, but it's a young rabbi and he's got a good message. Thank you, Craig. Rabbi, I have to share this story with you and you have to share it to the whole world. These were the words of an old man who came up to my father after one of his classes. He pulled out a piece of paper and he said, I was in the Holocaust. They took away everything from me, my money, my liberty, my job. And then the worst came when I was brought into Auschwitz and they stripped away my basic human identity and they gave me a number. I was no longer a person. I was just a number like cattle ready to be slaughtered. And I was laying there in the barracks that first night and I didn't know what to do. And then I looked down at the numbers. I come from a Hasidic home, the old man said. I started adding up the numbers, the numerical value, and I saw that it added up to the number 26, which is the same numerical value as God's name, Yud, Hey, Vav, and Hey. And I looked down at the number and I realized that God is with me, even here in the gateways of hell. And every single time things got hard for me, I would look down at my number and I said, God, lift me up. And this was the message of this old man. In life, almost everything could be taken away from us besides one thing. We could lose our money, we could lose our job, we could lose our freedom to be walking around in the streets and the world could be upside down. Everything is stripped away from us besides one thing. Our own choice, how we want to look at the situation that we're in right now. Are we going to look at it in despair? Where are we going to find God on our arm? Are we going to find Hashem that He's really taking us through this bitter time and we're going to make it through on the other side? We're going through difficult times. The entire world is going through difficult times. But this is the time where we look inside and we realize that somehow this is for my good and we choose to see the good in everything that is going on in our lives. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My topic is Live Your Dash, and it is how, what, what are we finding within those spaces in our lives? What is being asked of us in that dash? 
in all those times of our lives, remembering that there's a transitory nature of life, that nothing is static, everything is constantly moving. It's like that river that constantly flows. There are little deaths and rebirths of all right throughout our lives, times of letting go of what is no longer useful for us, no longer serves us, and no longer serves the world, and actually deciding what to build on. What to hold on to. And I think this is, is, is incredibly, we need to look at our potentials. How are our stories? Are they ongoing? What's happening right now? Are we continuing to create the tapestry of our lives? Um, you know, if you actually think about it, we all have many strings which make up that tapestry. It's a part of the whole. There's a, a there's even a, a, a thing called global community. And that word community, the root comes from common unity, which I, I found very uh, fascinating to tell you the truth. It's valuing the community of our humanity. As human beings, we are part of a global community. And this is what we're being asked to actually recognize now. We ourselves have so many potentials and our stories are ongoing. So right now, how are we continuing to create our story, our canvas? If you think of a tapestry, I know you've heard of this before. If you turn it over at the back, there are all these short strings before they actually are neatened up. But they're all mass. They make no sense at all. There is no picture to them. Then you turn it over. And you see the picture that has been created. And it's a wonderful thing to actually see that you are part of this. There are many strings that are making up your tapestry, the part that becomes the whole of you. And the, the, the tapestry goes on. The strings are added until we are no longer here. Um, until even when the, the side is almost a complete picture, yet the end has not been told because why we are still in the process of becoming. That is what we have to remember, the process of becoming. It is not about perfection. It's about continuing to improve ourselves. Uh, Craig is just asking me a question. Sorry for a, for a second. Um, he said, uh, yes, Craig, please, just five minutes before the end, I'd like to play that clip of the 98-year-old Holocaust survivor. This has come through as well. Uh, just hang on a sec. My phone is, sorry, the Skype is a bit confusing at times. Um, I saw it. Craig sent me a message and now I can't see it. Craig, uh, won't you just send me that message again about the person on on your on your number, please? Um, it was a listener. There we are. Hi Sue, highest compliments to everyone at High FM. You are doing outstanding work. Please tell whoever is doing the Sunday repeats that the sound is very very bad. Chag Sameach to you all from Lieber Mayer at Alphen Lodge. Thank you so much, Lieber, and blessings to you for Pesach. And thank you for that advice. We will definitely look into that sound. Thank you. Uh, Craig, you're amazing. Honestly, 
keeping me on air as you do. I was talking about our, uh, our the creation of our own tapestry and how right until the very end we still are putting in a string. So, And it's not about perfection. That's what we need to understand. It's about continuing to always improve ourselves. Then uh, what about inoculating ourselves against fear, stress? That part of that inoculation is by breaking down the social media, how often you are online. And um, it can be very scary. Life is not fair. And you can be scared. And the future is uncertain. Um, and you, you don't know what the virus is going to be asking of you if everyone's going, the people you love are going to be okay. These are all the realities. These are part of that uh, collective grief that's going around at the moment that we are feeling. But the philosophers all say that who we will become is who we choose to become. And that's in spite of, not because of, but in spite of what we are going through. Those are the realities. And the, this inoculating yourself, it's also to inoculate yourself against people who are putting you down, people who are continuously telling you how terrible this time is, how they are not coping, how everything is absolutely dreadful. So we're going to add break. Thank you. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, um, uh, this is Sue Jackson. Uh, Craig, I would like that just before the end to be played, please. I would just like to, I have, I've been told to actually begin wrapping up, but if near the end of our very, very long life, we were asked to write our own eulogy, how would we like to be remembered? Would it be the creative things we've done, the way we've used our natural gifts to reach out to others, did we replenish ourselves from the natural gifts of the universe, of, of nature, of love, of religion, of music, of art, whatever feeds your soul? Could you actually say that you have lived your dash and that you are? This is how you choose to be remembered as a person who has actually lived their dash to the fullest, reached out to others. You know, I, I just wanted to say that I, I enjoy the taste each year of, uh, of Pesach. And when I was very young, one of my best friends was Jewish. Yes, I know you're probably thinking, well, you know, what an old cliche. Some of our best friends are Jewish, but, but she was, and she used to invite me to their house to have Pneidlach. Oh, did I love the taste of it. And I enjoyed it every single year. Who would have believed that one day my children and grandchildren would actually ask me to make the choriset for them and leave it at my front gate this year? <laughs> anyway, this time, this April, is time for Pesach, for Easter, for Ramadan. And each of those festivals are in April, which I find fantastic, because each one actually says something about freedom, about sharing, about a time of hope and renewal of self-reflection and restoration. So I just wish everyone who's celebrating Pesach, Easter, uh, Ramadan, I wish you all blessings of peace 
and healing to you all. You're now going to be listening to a 98-year-old Holocaust survivor who is talking about what we should be giving to life. Thank you all for listening, and thank you so much, Craig, for your messages and for keeping me on air. God bless. Bye. You must not hate. You say, I don't like this person, but you don't hate. Hate is a disease. It destroys first your enemy, but you also. Mm. It destroys you. Hate. They ask me, what is my secret? My secret is a good wife and friendship. Friendship you cannot buy. When I was eight years old, my father says to me, Eddie, there's more pleasure in giving than taking. I thought he's cuckoo. <laughs> no. Now that I have children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, what you give, you get back. You give nothing, you get nothing back. See, this is important. I want to teach you, all the people who are younger, if you don't turn... Learn from us, there will not be a